covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. It's been an interesting week of Brewers baseball as we have gone past the halfway point of the season for Major League Baseball, including the Brewers in a 60-game season. They went past the 30-game marker this past week and now less than a month to go in the regular season, which is absolutely crazy, but we knew it would be that way in the 60-game year. Uh, housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review and also subscribe, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Uh, if you need to get in t- contact with me, best way to do so is at Matt Pauley on air on Twitter, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. DMs are always open, but if you got Brewers questions, just tweet them at me and uh, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll respond and do the quote tweet and all that stuff. I try to get back to everybody. I'm not always perfect. Here's the one area where I know I mess up sometimes. So we do the post-game show and I throw out my Twitter and uh, when people tweet at me I, I respond to those tweets on air I know every once in a while somebody's just tweeting at me not listening to the show and I respond to their tweet on air and then it looks like that I am just completely ignoring them that's not what I'm doing I just responded on air and you weren't listening so if you would have been listening you would have heard the answer to your tweet I guess is what I'm saying uh, here's what we've got coming up on the podcast this week. Kyle Lesneski is going to join us, one of our uh, favorite folks to have here on the show. He is the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball. He is also uh, part of the staff over at the Milwaukee Milkman. He's a big part of uh, their player procurement and uh, development. So uh, we'll talk about a lot of things with uh, Kyle coming up in just a few minutes. I've said it before. I'm probably a broken record on this. I'm still having a hard time evaluating this Brewers team. I just... Everything, the, the way they've played, the fact that it's happening inside of a 60-game season, it's just uh, the, the fact that they can't get on a roll. Like, we're just sitting here waiting, right? We're waiting for them to get on a roll. And I guess there are some similarities to last year. Last year, they got off to a really nice start, and then they just became very inconsistent until the final month of the regular season, and they, then they turned it on. Maybe a version of that is going to happen this year where they're inconsistent for the first month and they turn it on for uh, the second month. They're still very much in the playoff picture. In fact, they were in second place in the division after their exciting win on Saturday. And all the uh, all the first place and second place teams are going to make it into the postseason. So they are still right there in playoff position. We're recording this on Sunday night. I clearly don't know when you are listening to it. You might be listening to it after the trade deadline, so you'll know more than what I know right now as I'm speaking about what the Brewers are going to do at the deadline. I'm not expecting a lot. I'll be I'll be somewhat surprised if they make a big move. I wouldn't be surprised about a small move, bringing a veteran-type guy, a guy with an expiring contract, someone who they think could maybe – be good in the clubhouse and be a, a catalyst for the offense to get going a little bit. N- never would be surprised with a bullpen pitcher being brought in. I guess there's a possibility that they could look at a catcher, uh, depending on how much confidence they have in Jacob Nottingham. I'm kind of excited to see what Jacob Nottingham is going to do. This is somebody that, from a prospect standpoint, we were talking about for a really long time. He's had a really interesting path because when he was first popping up on the on the prospect charts 
he was a bat-first catcher who many thought may end up at first base. And as his career went forward, he worked really, really hard to become a pretty good defensive catcher, and he's done that. His bat actually took a step back, so he has turned into a defensive first catcher. So just a complete total 180-degree turn where at one point he was looked at as somebody whose bat might force him to move to another position, and now it's really his defense that you're most comfortable with. But if if there, if there's something out there, would they make a move? Possibly. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. They're right there in playoff position or just outside of playoff position, and that's in contention for a playoff spot is what I'm trying to say. And It's weird because if you evaluate them on their win-loss record – they don't look like a great team, but if you evaluate them on their proximity to being in the playoffs, then then you look at a team that's right there. And I think, for me, the thing that remains the most frustrating aspect of this squad, and it goes back to what I said before with the inconsistency, but specifically the offensive inconsistency, and how it can look like they break through. It can look like they have a big moment. It can look like, okay, this is the one that's going to get them going, and then... It's just kind of nothing again. They had a nice first two games in their series against the Reds this week, and then were outscored 12-1 to in their doubleheader sweep by the Reds. And then they got off to a really nice start against the Pirates, and in the second game of the Pirates series, just a best game of the year just in terms of like being entertained by a baseball game. For me, that was the best game of the year, and that's a great win. And then they come back on Sunday. They have runners on in every inning just constant pressure but that big hit not there horrible with runners in scoring position leaving tons of guys on so you you wonder do do these guys do these players especially the veteran players who have a track record and their track record is better than what they're doing right now while you might not be able to flip a switch do they find a way to turn it on, find more consistency, whatever like tagline you want to use, do they find a way to do that in the month of September? And whether the answer to that question is yes or no is probably also going to go along with the answer to the question of is this team a playoff team this year? It's not going to take a lot to get into the postseason. If this team just goes on a run, if this team wins at some point 7 of 10 and then goes pretty much 500 the rest of the way, that that might be enough. That they're going to be right there. You're that's what this season is. In a 60 game season, essentially kind of the the calculation to get into the playoffs, especially in the National League, is go on a good run for a week, week and a half, two weeks and play 500 baseball for the other 6 weeks of the year. And that's going to be enough to get you into the postseason. Uh, in the American League, it might be a little bit different, but when you look at the National League, I mean, it is it is crazy when you really look at, at the National League where, to me, you have one really good team. You have one really good team in the National League, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Then you have one really bad team in the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then you got a lot in between. The, uh, the second-place teams in the Cubs and Padres as of Sunday night and the second-to-last-place teams in the Diamondbacks and the Nationals were separated out. 
by six and a half games. That's not a lot. The Brewers, three games under 500, are four and a half games out of being the second best team in the National League. It is um, it is something this year. There's just not there's just not a lot of really good teams in the National League. There's not a lot of difference between the Cubs and the Padres and the Braves and the Brewers and the Reds and the Mets and the Diamondbacks and the Nationals. I mean, these teams are all, I think, pretty similar. And that's just uh, that's the way things are this year, right? It's uh, it's different. We'll see what the Brewers end up doing at the trade deadline. All right, as mentioned, uh, Kyle Lesneski, he is our featured conversation this week. Let's get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X-Strength, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're happy to welcome back on to the podcast. He is uh, the managing editor at Brew Crew Ball. Also works with the uh, Milwaukee Milkman. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later in our conversation. Very happy to welcome back on to the podcast Kyle Lesneski. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle, K-Y-L-E underscore L-E-S-N-I-E-W-S-K-I. Hey, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Doing all right. Um, Weird time for the Brewers, and we're talking on Sunday night, and Monday's the trade deadline, so who knows, by the time some people are listening to this podcast, maybe things look a little bit different from a roster standpoint. Maybe they don't. I'm not expecting any major changes, but I guess I could be wrong. But uh, the games, the, the team is within, you know, throwing distance of a playoff spot same deal with 500 but they haven't found much consistency this year especially offensively how do you evaluate this team in what is just a very weird season for so many reasons yeah it's it's definitely been um a struggle for this team offensively so far this year um coming into today uh they were bottom three in the national league in terms of um run scored per game uh, they've been outscored by close to 30 runs or so on the year, I believe. Um, just really haven't been able to get to get really anything going with any sort of consistency at the plate. Uh, the only two above-average hitters they had regularly in their lineup uh, coming into today were Orlando Arcia and Christian Yelich, and everybody else is, has been uh, a pretty fair sight below average, and, and some even worse than that. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely a struggle to to get things going when you only have you know three guys in your lineup on a regular basis who have an on base percentage over 300. Um, they just haven't really been getting any sort of consistent power from from anybody other than really Kesson Hira and Christian Yelich. And um, other than the home runs, Kesson Hira isn't really providing much else at the plate right now. He's not getting on base. He's he's striking out a lot. He's not hitting for average. Um, you know, I think I think we could say at this point that this has been a pretty um, you know disappointing sophomore season for him so far. So. You know, it, it's it's weird because in a normal year, this would still be early. You know, we're only still a little over a month into the season, but, you know, it, it's not a normal year. And, you know, the, the, with the trade deadline coming tomorrow, that's going to spur some kind of action one way or the other for the Brewers. And um, I think kind of based on how things have gone so far, uh, you know, it would be difficult for them to, it would be difficult to see them making like any really significant buying moves. 
Um, you know, we, we know that Stearns has been opportunistic throughout the course of his tenure. So if, you know, maybe someone approaches him for a trade for, you know, a player with some kind of club control or something like that, then, um, you know, maybe that's something that, that he would be willing to look into to listen to something that would help the team down the road. But uh, I think in terms of the immediate 2020 moves, uh, it's probably more likely that the Brewers either stand mostly pat tomorrow or, you know, deal away a, a one-year guy like Brett Anderson um, than, than really do anything else or make anything really splashy. Want to get into the offense a little bit more. A lot of people, you always want to know like the reason why, or you want to blame somebody. People looking for a scapegoat, and it is possible that just for whatever reason, a bunch of guys have a at least you know a thirty-plus game slump to start the season, coming off the shortened summer camp and everything that went along with it. Or there can be deeper issues beyond that, which is leading to it. Do you have any thoughts on why, really, from top to bottom, outside of a a guy here and a guy there, the offense has struggled so much. You know, it. I think it's it's another one of those things that we just kind of have to accept with a short season and with there not, like, this still being the start of the season where, uh, like, last year the Brewers kind of went through a, a similar slump in the middle of the summer where everybody just kind of all struggled at the same time. And, um, you know, slumps like that don't really stand out as much because there's already been so many numbers accumulated that it, it, it doesn't show up as starkly as it does when, you know, the season starts and for the first month of the season, everybody's all kind of struggling at the same time. So you can look up and down the lineup and see that, you know, Omar Narvaez has a OPS plus of 56 and Justin Smoke has an OPS plus of 78 and, and Kesson here is at 89 and Eric Sogart's at 47. And, and all of those numbers just stick out so starkly because that's, that's the only thing that any of these guys have done so far this year. Um, so in, in the normal course of a 162-game season, there'd be a lot more time for this stuff to kind of normalize and, and balance itself out and, um, you know, guys to find their consistency at the plate or, you know, have a better stretch of luck and, and the numbers start to look a little bit more normal. And, you know, I, I was kind of looking into um, some stuff with, Christian Yelich the other day, just out of curiosity for, you know, how his year has been going so far. Um, obviously has been hitting for power, but, you know, batting average wise and strikeout rate wise, all that kind of stuff, he, he's far below his career norm. And, you know, it's, it's one of those weird things right now. Christian Yelich is hitting the ball. Uh, hard contact rate is, is around 50%, right around the same rate it was last year. His exit velocity is right around the same late rate as it was last year. Um, his swinging strike rate is right around the same rate it was last year, and he's actually swinging less uh, at pitches outside the zone this year than he was last year. Um, but the only really glaring difference between what he did last year when you know he was runner-up for MVP and what he's doing right now uh, is the fact that his batting average on balls in play is like below 220. Mm-hmm. So you know, with it still being so early on in the season, there just hasn't been a lot of time for that stuff to kind of normalize itself out like it would over the course of a long season. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that this year there's really not going to be that same amount of time for things to normalize out. So, you know, it, I, I think it was Christian Yelich himself who at the beginning of the year said that, 
just because of the nature of playing such a short 60-game season, there are going to be some really talented players who who put up some really, you know, struggling below average numbers over the course of the season because that's just kind of the nature of baseball in, in smaller sample sizes. And we're, I think we're, um, you know, kind of seeing that play out for a lot of guys right now. How, how tough is it for a Craig Council where you're – you're you're trying to play the the pot play the hot hand versus giving guys an opportunity to break out. Uh, we already saw them move on from from Brock Holt, where they just felt like okay, this guy is not going to get it turned around in enough time for it to matter. For a David Stearns to try to evaluate the team going to the trade deadline, just baseball is so built on 162 games, and and these individuals are are being tasked to make really big decisions in a year where you're playing just the 60. Yeah, sometimes it almost feels like, from Council's perspective, it's a it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of scenario. Um, and I think you know the. The biggest hot button issue that I've seen in, in terms of you know people talking about it online and stuff right now has been um, over at third base the split between Eric Sogard and and Jed Jerko and um, Jerko hasn't gotten a whole lot of opportunities this year. He's still uh, he's right around 44 plate appearances or so for the year, but he's he's really performed well in those plate appearances, and almost all of them have come against left-handed pitching. And Eric Sogard, on the other hand, has struggled pretty mightily throughout the year. Um, even though he's been put in those opportunities to face mostly right-handed pitching as a, as it's been a pretty strict platoon so far. And, um, you know, before yesterday's game, uh, the day before Jerko hits a couple of home runs and then he's not in the lineup the next day. So everybody's, you know, kind of up in arms, like what does this guy have to do in order to, you know, start getting some regular playing time? Like he's got to consider playing the hot hand. It's a short season. Like this team has struggled so much for offense and then Eric Sogard is the one who comes up and, and has the big hit that wins the game. So, you know, it's it's just it's one of those things, again, like in a normal year where these things would kind of bear themselves out a little bit more clearly over the course of a longer season. Um, you know, we're we're going to see guys who, in general, are going to play up to their career averages, guys who over the course of a longer sample are going to hit righties like they have versus hitting lefties like they have and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's just so wonky in smaller samples where, you know, a good day for a guy can kind of skew numbers for over the course of, of several weeks as, as the plate appearances are slower to build up. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's just kind of one of those things for Craig Council right now, it's, uh, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because you can, you can have anybody say that he needs to play his gut more because it's, short, it's such a short season, but at the same time you can say, well, because it's, such a short season we can't really put so much stock in these numbers so we need to be looking at what these guys have been yeah that's that something that i've talked about before is you you bring in you know when specifically like omar narvaez and we could probably apply this to justin smoke before he turned it on a little bit yeah, you might have gotten more production out of a Manny Pena one day, or you might have gotten more production out of a Jed Jerko, but if the idea is to be your best possible team, especially at the end of the year, if you're a postseason team, then you want to go do things and you want to be able to position yourself to kind of be your best self at the end of the year, so you want those guys in the lineup. And if 
if you can lose a game today that's going to win you two games at the end of the season, you would take it, but nobody knows if that's actually going to happen. And I just, I think it's such a challenge right now because in a 162-game season, you can just kind of let these things happen organically, and you're, you've got, you, there's nothing really organic about what's happening this year. Right, yeah, and, you know, it, it's it's just one of those things where you kind of got to let things play out. You know, we're already seeing stuff play out as far as, as injuries go with, with Pena now kind of on the shelf for the rest of the year, I think it's going to be really incumbent on Omar Narvaez to, to start getting things going because they, you know, they brought him in and expected him to kind of provide similar offense to what Yasmani Grandal was for the Brewers last year. And uh, he just really hasn't been anywhere close to that level. He's coming in with an OPS still under 600, uh, only a pair of home runs so far. And, um, you know, it's, there's been a lot of talk about how improved his defense has been, which which is great. I mean, you know, that's that's great that he's you know so far been able to make those strides and and bring all of that work into games, and that's important for what he's able to provide with the pitching staff and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the Brewers were getting that same sort of production defensively from the combination of Eric Kraft and Manny Pena. And if, you know, that's all they were looking for was, was a defensive player at that position. I don't think that they would have gone out and made that trade over the off season. So, uh, you know, I, I think that they're hoping that somebody like Narvaez and, you know, guys like, like smoke and guys like Abisail Garcia can, can start playing up to, you know, the, the levels offensively that they were kind of hoping for coming into the year. Is is there a fool's gold aspect to the thing that this team can be a few games under five? Before the loss on Sunday, they had moved into second place in the division. So even at two games under five hundred, they were in playoff position on, on Saturday. I don't think they're in playoff position as of Sunday, but you get the point. Is there a is there like a fool's gold aspect to that in the sense that a team can be not that good but still also be very much in the playoff picture? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, like I said, it's just such a weird year with with eight teams from each league making it into the playoffs and stuff. Really, I mean, we're going to see a team that's, that's either right around 500 or even below make it into the playoffs in, in one or both of these leagues. So it, it's difficult to say at any point that any of these teams are really out of it. But at the same time, you've got to weigh whether whether or not getting in as the seventh or eighth seed in an expanded playoffs is worth going out and expending prospect capital to to find an offensive upgrade or multiple offensive upgrades or something like that. Especially when you're, um, you know, dealing away from a system like the Brewers, where they don't really have a whole lot of prospect capital, especially at the upper levels of their system right now. So. You know, it's it's going to be difficult for them to go out and find, you know, maybe an impact trade or, or an impact player. And just because of the nature of how teams can only really deal from their 60-man roster pool unless they're using players to be named later. And uh, the Brewers are not one of the teams that is doing this uh, data sharing at alternate training sites. So we don't really know uh, what kind of data they're able to use on and and access on other players that they might go out and acquire. So it's it just seems like it's turned into a really complicated situation for the Brewers. And I think it's it's going to be difficult for them to really justify any significant moves one way or the other, um, because you know, like I said, it, it it's pretty clear that in terms of true talent, this team 
isn't one that you would say is like, hey, this is a World Series contender. Um, you know, it's it's another one of those years where if this break right, if this breaks right, if that breaks right, you know, maybe the Brewers could be dangerous. But not really seeing any of those things break right now. And they need to kind of make a decision on, on what way they're going to go here pretty soon. So, um, like I said, it's, it, it's difficult to envision them kind of really going all in one way or the other at this point. I think it's probably more likely they either stand pat or, you know, maybe deal away uh, a short-term contract player or something like that. Joel Sherman of the New York Post brought this up in a, in a tweet on Sunday, and I, th- I thought it was interesting Revenue's down, clearly, in Major League Baseball. Revenue being down, in all likelihood, will result in player salaries being down next year. There probably won't be as much money spent this offseason. Overall, there's been a trend of money, not as much money being spent this past offseason. was a little bit of a bump back in a better direction, but overall, uh, less and less money is being spent, and that could really happen this year. How much... The, the San Diego Padres specifically were mentioned by Sherman because they're in a position where they've got such a deep farm system, they can maybe trade some of their guys that are not going to get put on the 40-man roster that they're worried that they would lose because maybe the Rule 5 draft is going to be something that more teams use because that's one way to go get cost-controlled talent as opposed to spend money on the free agent market. That, we're we're kind of getting in the weeds with all that, but I guess the, the bottom line question is, how much do you think the economics of what might be happening this offseason and the next year as a result of the revenues being down this year, how much is that going to play out in the decisions that are being made by teams at the deadline? Um, I guess it's kind of difficult to gauge at this point. Uh, I mean, I guess specifically for, for a team like the Brewers, I'm sure that they would have you believe that this is going to um, be something that affects them pretty significantly, especially you know after the off season that they just had, where after two consecutive playoff playoff appearances, three consecutive winning seasons, um, you know they came out and and all over the winter were talking about how they operated in the red and how they needed to cut payroll and and all that sort of stuff. So um, with with that in mind, and the team you know kind of underperforming the way that they are. With with it looking like that, probably they're probably going to have multiple holes that they're going to need to fill over the winter. Uh, I guess I would think that it's difficult to imagine them going out and adding a significant amount of salary at this point. Um, you know, just like 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 you said, you know, the way that the economics of the game have have kind of been working, and, and player salaries have uh, generally been been trending downward a little bit in recent years. Um, the Brewers, as you know, they continually talk about being a small market team. I'm sure are going to be uh, one of the teams that are probably more so affected than most, especially because of how often they talk about how uh, being able to have fans at the games and the attendance that they're able to generate year over year, bringing in you know over two and a half million people on a on a near annual basis is a big difference maker for them in terms of how they're able to go out and spend on players. I think it might make them, uh, it might make things difficult for them. Uh, like I said, not only to add, to add a significant amount of payroll this summer, uh, but it's probably going to come into play a lot uh, in, in this winter and perhaps the following winters. I'll finish you off with this and who knows by the time people are listening to this, maybe something has happened, but uh, there were rumors about Josh Hader being available, and there were those same same rumors were out there uh, at the winter time. And at some point in time, it might get to a point where Hader is going to be the Brewers are going to want to allocate those resources somewhere else potentially. Um, maybe they just don't think that that spending that kind of money is going to be worth it. How do you kind of assess? 
Hader's future with the team. Even if he doesn't get traded at the deadline this year, and I don't think he's going to, how overall would you assess uh, what his future looks like with the team? Uh, I guess I would say that um, whether it's this year or this coming off season or next year, next summer, something like that, um, I, I would say that it's becoming fairly clear that his time in Milwaukee is probably running on the shorter end of things. Um, you know, with a $4.1 million salary this year in his first year of arbitration eligibility and another three years of arbitration eligibility left after this, you know, it, it seems like only a matter of time, whether it maybe not next year, but the year after that, where he's probably earning uh, over $10 million in, in terms of his arbitration salary, especially if he continues to pitch in um, sort of that regular closer role for the Brewers and continues to rack up saves like he has been uh saves and, and strikeouts and a low ERA, those are the kind of things that get you paid in, in arbitration. And, um, you know, Josh Hader continues to rack up all of those numbers. So um, I, I don't know that it'll be this summer that uh, they that they end up trading him away. Uh, you know, it sounds like there's plenty of interest out there, um, but that the Brewers aren't really making any outbound calls, like actively shopping him around, and they're just kind of waiting for somebody to meet their price. And, um, you know, that's kind of the way that they played it over the winter, just kind of waiting to get that offer that kind of blows him away. And, um, you know, as he continues to perform and as he continues to perform at the relatively low salary that he's making right now, I don't think there's any urgency. Um, but once, you know, we get into this winter and, and we start to kind of see what the arbitration projections for him are and, and coming off of this weird shortened season, how that might affect things. Um, you know, I, I certainly think it's something that the Brewers are going to look at pretty hard uh, going forward in the future, especially, you know, as, as you mentioned in the last question about the economics of the game. Uh, if the Brewers are going to continue to have to cut payroll, I think it's going to be difficult for them to justify uh, paying a significant chunk of that payroll to a guy who, in reality, you know, is is maybe only pitching at most 80 innings in a in a 162 game season. So, um, you know, like I said, maybe maybe not this deadline and and maybe not this off season, but uh, probably in the next year or two, I think they're going to have to look pretty hard at at um, you know figuring out how they can maximize their trade return for him and, and figuring out when the right time is going to be to pull the trigger. Yeah, I'd agree. All right, uh, I'm guessing the vast majority, if not every single person listening to this podcast, is very familiar with Brew Crew Ball. But for those who are not and maybe those who are, uh, what's going on over at the site right now? Um, you know, we've been kind of uh, continuing to cover the team on a, on a day-to-day basis as we have throughout the year. Um, you know, every day, every day there's games, we do a, a game thread and, um, you know, recaps after the game so that you can kind of get in the action and, and talk to all the other uh, Brew Crew Ball users, Brew Crew, Brewers fans who are, are watching the games at the same time. And um, as players have been added to the, uh, the 60-man player pool, we'll, we'll put up profiles on, on those new players and those prospects and um, you know, we've been looking at different potential trade scenarios for the team this summer, specifically in regards to uh, where fits for Josh Hader may be. Um, and, of course, anytime there's a rumor that pops up or anything like that, you know, that we've got uh, coverage and analysis for it on the site so that we can keep Brewers fans uh, up to date with everything that's going on as much as possible. I almost forgot. I can't, uh, I, I can't forget about this. Uh, we mentioned at the top your involvement with the, uh, with the Milwaukee Milkman and 
Man, there's uh, from fans being allowed in the stands to some of the high-profile players that are uh, on the roster to the team just flat out uh, playing well. It's uh, there's a lot of good things going on with that organization. Yeah, things have certainly uh, been been trending in a positive direction for us lately. Uh, you know, we're just kind of really starting to get things to click on all cylinders. Um, Adam Brett Walker. Uh, hometown guy uh, from Milwaukee, former third-round draft pick of the Twins, was briefly on the Brewers' 40-man roster a few years ago. Uh, he's really turned into an offensive force for us. Uh, he's got uh, six home runs in his last six games over the course of this week. I'm sure he's probably going to be a shoo-in for, for Player of the Week in the American Association. And uh, We continue to, to move forward with the, with the best pitching staff in the league. And um, you know, After today's win against the Chicago Dogs, uh, we're sitting at 29 and 22 on the season. Uh, two games left, or uh, two game lead in the American Association over Sioux Falls with, with nine games left in the regular season. So we're uh, hoping that we can keep things rolling and and uh, keep moving things in a positive direction and um, hopefully getting ready for for a playoff push here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun to see from afar. So definitely, I, I know a lot of people. Have- do you feel like it's been – I've heard from people who can't go to Brewers games this year that have said, you know what, at least we can go to Milkman games. Yeah, and we, you know, we've gotten a really positive uh, reaction from the fans that have come out and, and attended our games. And, um, you know, we've been taking all sorts of precautions in, in terms of bringing people out with uh, hand sanitizing stations and uh, cleaning all the, the railings and stuff in between innings and um, the socially distanced seating plan and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you know, we're all wearing masks in the dugout and, and um, doing the socially distant thing as, as best as we can. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, really excellent players that, that have joined our roster this year. And, and we've added guys like Henderson Alvarez and um, Tim Dillard over the over the course of the year. We've got Drew Hutchison pitching in the starting rotation for us now. He was the opening day starter for the Toronto Blue Jays a few years ago. And, um, you know, like I said, our, our pitching has really been what's carried us all year. And I think that is uh, just going to kind of remain our strength here as we as we move into the playoff picture. Awesome. Good stuff as always. Really appreciate taking time. Encourage people to check out Brew Crew Ball. Encourage people to check out uh, the Milwaukee Milkman as well. Uh, Kyle, thanks as always for your time and look forward to having you on again real soon. Yeah, really appreciate you reaching out and uh, giving me the opportunity. That's Kyle Lesneski joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Here's what's coming up this week for the Brewers. They've got one more game coming up on Monday night when they're going to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. As I am recording this on Sunday night, we do not yet know who the starting pitcher is going to be for that game. A lot of people think it's going to be Eric Lauer coming up from the alternate training site. He was scheduled to pitch Monday in Appleton, so pretty good chance that's going to happen, but maybe not. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Detroit comes to Miller Park for a two-game series, and that's going to wrap up this 10-game homestand. They're then going to head to Cleveland for a three-game series starting on Friday. So this upcoming Thursday, Thursday the 3rd, this is going to be just their second scheduled off day since July 30th. They had uh, Monday the 17th scheduled as an off day in the month of August. They got a couple off days uh, from St. Louis not being able to play, and then also that third game of the Cincinnati series was uh, was not played when the Brewers made the decision to uh, not play as a way to uh, shine a light on some of the social injustice issues going on in our country as most teams in baseball also made that decision. But as far as scheduled off days, the Brewers only had one in the month of August, and they finally get into a month of September where they're going to get some 
some off days. Three straight Thursdays off starting this Thursday. There's a Monday off in there as well. So uh, things are a little bit better. Once they get things figured out this week in terms of starting pitching, they're going to be able to utilize those off days a bit during the final month of the year. And that could, uh, that could help them. We know how when Craig Council is given options, more often than not, those options turn into uh, wins when it comes to what he is doing with pitching. Also, another reminder for you, for those of you who uh, do listen to the Brewers Extra Innings Post Game Show and Brewers Radio, for that uh, for that matter, on 620 WTMJ, the Bucks are in the postseason, and their playoff games, when they are playing, will be on WTMJ. So here's what that means. Monday, they are going to have their game one against the Heat. That means... The Brewers broadcast will be on 94.5 ESPN. Same deal for uh, Wednesday when uh, that game is going to be on WTMJ. Both those games are scheduled to tip off at 5.30 Central. The, uh, the Bucks games are. So the Brewers games, which are going to uh, begin at uh, 6.40, we will, uh, we will have those on 94.5 ESPN. You can uh, stream Brewers Extra Innings on 94.5 ESPN. Uh, multiple ways to do that. You can go to Wisconsin uh, On Demand. You can get the uh, Wisconsin On Demand app, ESPN.com, the ESPN uh, Milwaukee website. Just lots of places you can go to uh, be able to stream that. But 94.5 ESPN is where we are going to have Brewers Extra Innings and the Brewers games. If you tune to WTMJ and you hear the Bucks, or you don't hear the Brewers and you know the Brewers are playing, Switch to FM 94.5 ESPN. That's where you're from. All right, my thanks to uh, Kyle Lesneski for joining us on the podcast. My thanks to you for being tuned in. Look forward to talking to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.